Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. To live a life to its fullest, to enjoy everything that life has to offer, to live a life that is not boring. That's what most of us strive for. And when we look at Scripture, Scripture wants us to have this exciting life. Scripture does not want to be boring. Scripture, when you look at its theological premise, right, it is power. It has the power to transform a life, a dead life. It has the power to take a heart of stone and turn it to a heart towards God. All of that is contained in God's word. Right? So when you look at the entire canon of Scripture, in order to receive the very gift that Scripture has for us, you have to communicate the entire canon of Scripture. In other words, not only the good parts of Scripture, but also the difficult parts of Scripture. And for the most part, you and I have been going through this letter of John, 1 John, right? And last week, it was like, man, I was just beat up. That was just some difficult piece of scripture, right? In reference of, do I belong to the family of God or do I belong to the family of the devil, right? There's no middle ground. Right? It's like sometimes you and I want a middle ground, right? It's like, wait a minute, I, I need to step over here, right, until I figure it out. A lot of times we struggle with those concepts because immediately we might not think of ourselves, but we think of our family members, the, the people that are in our lives. And also it's like, wait a minute, where are they? Are they in the family of God? Or are they in the family of the devil, right? Because there's no middle ground. But all of that comes through what Scripture has for us, right? That there's power, right? And, and sometimes there's pastors that come to passages like that and all of a sudden make a decision I'm not going to preach on that because it's too hard. 
I don't want to create tension in my congregation. So we have at times pastors that just want to preach the good stuff, right, so that you can feel good. Pastors are afraid, well, if I preach that difficult stuff, I will lose my members. They will go somewhere else. So we are at a part in John's letter where he calls us to love. He calls us not to murder. And all of a sudden, immediately, we go, whew, this is going to be an easy week. Right? Sign me up for love. Right? And then there are some of us that go, you know what? It's like I heard many passages and sermons on love. It's like, really, that's what we're going to talk about? Right? Um, but we're actually going to dive in and really look at what John is trying to convey to you and to me through these verses in light of everything else that we have learned from John. Remember, we have looked at these tests, right, in reference to our moral sense. Do we love the commandments of God? Do we love the people of God? That's what we're looking at today. And do we love the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? And those three tests are woven through the rest of the letter. So we are looking at, and starting at verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And, and right there is the theme of these verses, to love one another. And this theme according to John, is a theme that you have heard from the beginning. It, it, is, it is from the very beginning. It, it's one of the cornerstones of the message of the gospel that has been preached from the beginning. And if you and I would remember Jesus at the Last Supper, that Seder, he said to his disciples this in the Gospel of John. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. In other words, he took a commandment that was already in place and he repackaged it. He didn't change it, but he gave it more meaning and depth. To love one another. And this message is a message really for the church. Right? That's what John is communicating. And it's a message where one believer who's in the church needs to love another brother or sister who's in the church and to love them. Right? And, and all of a sudden, we find that Maybe it isn't so simple to love, right? Like sometimes our words are a lot easier to say than our actions. 
For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. Right? And in other words, if you have been reading your Bible and you've been going through it, it's a message that you yourself have identified. Oh, I'm supposed to love. That message is woven in the Old Testament probably more than it is in the New Testament. But if you look at the whole Bible from beginning to end, we are to love. Now here's what John's going to do as we dive into, well, what does he mean by loving one another? He's going to give us two examples. He's going to give us a negative example. And connected to the negative example, he's going to give us an, a commandment and an application. Right? So he gives us a negative example, a commandment, and an application. And then he gives us a positive example, a commandment, and an application. Right? So we are going to look at that and see how that applies to our lives. Right? He starts off by saying, we should not be like Cain. Right? That's the negative example. Right? And immediately, your thought life should go to Genesis 4, right, where Cain allow anger to get to a level where all of a sudden he felt that it was his right to take his brother's life, right? And, and immediately, right, if we're talking about love and we're talking about loving one another, you might say, well, you know what? I, I haven't murdered anybody. Yeah, it's, I, I haven't. And that might be true, right? But we also know that the act of murder is an action based on an inward reality, which is hate. And according to Hebrews, here's what it says. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Right? In other words, the gift that Abel gave was more acceptable than the one that Cain gave. And in that, God showed his love to Abel. And because Cain, for one reason or another, I don't know how he gave his gift. I don't know where his heart was. But God did not receive the offering. And hate, anger, build in Cain's heart. You should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brother righteous. Right? So to be of the evil one is to remember what we talked about last week. Right? In other words, according to verse 10, right, there is evidence that we are either children of God 
or children of the devil. There's no middle ground. There's no, well, maybe I can create another category. Not according to scripture. Right? And, and if you have a problem in saying, Pastor, I don't know why you're hammering this thing again and again and again. It's like you, my brother and sister, have a problem with God's word. And remember, I said God's word is power. We don't want a boring Bible in order for scripture to be alive and transform your life, my life. Right? It has to have power. But the minute I try to diminish it in order that you might like me, I do diminish God's word if I go in that way. And as much as God doesn't want me to go in that direction, he doesn't want you to go in that direction. who was of the evil one and murders his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Right? There's two tracks that one can go. Right? There's the works of evil or the works of righteousness. Now, the works of righteousness are the ones that always go to our brothers and sisters, and when they're going off the track, you might say, can I have a word with you? Um, I've been praying, and I've been seeing how you've been living your life, and you asked me to come alongside of you and to encourage and support you, but let me tell you what I see, right? I see that some of the decisions you are making are very self-centered and selfish, and they're hurting people. And you know what? And when you make and, and live in that way, you know what? It's, it's not too godly. And immediately, right, from the spirit of the individual, right, you go, who are you to judge me? Do you think you're so righteous? Wasn't it last month that you did this, this, and this? See, because that's how evil and righteousness combats itself. Right? And when we look at Scripture, there's many examples. Right? There's Daniel right? and the Babylonian wise men to Nebuchadnezzar. Right? As they watched him bow and pray and seek God. Right? And they looked at his righteousness. They got upset. Right? We, we look at Jesus' own life, right? And we see the scribes and all of those in power and authority, right? What did they dislike? His righteousness, right? And righteousness could be conveyed as God's light into this dark world. When I was a kid, I lived in the city, right? And there's certain things that happen in the city, Right. But if you live in an apartment complex, there's one thing that most people in the city have, especially if you don't have a lot of money, 
right? And that's cockroaches. Got to say, right? And, and you know what happens when, when all of a sudden you walk in the middle of the night and you flick on the light? It's like, pew, they scatter, right? That's what happens when the light comes, right? And, and, and you might say, oh, pastor, that, it's too early to be talking about cockroaches, right? But, but that's, right? His evil, his deeds were evil, and the brothers were righteous, and, and because of that, you know, hatred brewed in Cain's heart. And here's the thing, right? Sometimes you and I might have the spirit of Cain. Right? Sometimes we don't want people taking our inventory. Sometimes we don't want people correcting us. Sometimes we want the correction on our terms, the way we want it. And how dare you tell me that what you just told me is out of love? How dare you? Right? And, and if we know any part of Scripture, right, we will say, does the Scripture say that you should take care of the plank in your eye while you're pointing out the speck in my eye? Right? Because we will twist it all around in order not to receive correction. Right, so that's the negative example. Remember I said negative, there's a command, and then an application. Here's what John says. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Right? In, in other words, don't go, oh, they hate me. I, I was doing it out of love. Right, that's, and again, that, that's where the rub is. Right, and in other words, you... You want to live a life that is glorifying God, lifting God up. And, and all of a sudden, those actions bring a level of hatred towards you. And all through Scripture, especially in the New Testament, we look at Matthew. Right? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Don't be surprised. Right? When the world hates you. So many times we want to make an agreement with the world. That's where we want to take scripture and soften its edges. So that it would have a good taste to the world. Now, I'm not saying that you as a believer need to be obnoxious with your faith and go out there looking for persecution. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying live your faith so that when people see you, they say, you know what, there's something drastically different in how they live their lives. They're always with their hands open. They're always welcoming. They're always inviting me over. They bring a dish, but... It, but as they do that, it's, they're showing a sense of compassion that's much deeper. And all of those actions bring to mind a question, right? It's like, well, why do you do this? And all of a sudden, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Well, let me tell you about my Savior who saved me. And all of a sudden, 
God, through his special revelation and his word, right, gives you the power to share this news. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. And here's the application. Right, so before I get to the application, right, it's when we look at this idea or feeling or action of hate, right, you have to ask yourself, right, so how was our Lord treated? Right, and in other words, if he's our master and Lord, and he came to this world, and everybody within his circle hated him, wouldn't you expect as a follower of Jesus Christ that that might happen to you? Right? So, so don't be surprised. Right? Don't be surprised. And the application is this, the next two verses. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Right? And, and this is where we have to look deeper into, well, how do we get to murder? Right? How do we get to acting out like Cain acted out against his brother, right? And, and one of the things that you have to ask yourself is this question. When you hate someone, what are you saying, right? What are you feeling, right? And, and as I was putting this together, it's, I, I was reminded of my childhood, right, when when either my mom was correcting me or I was having a disagreement with my older brother and, and these words would come out of my mouth and I would say, I hate you. I hate you. And immediately, the thought that would follow is, I hate you. I wish you were not here. I wish that you would leave me alone. I wish that you would just keep your mouth shut. And the only way that you can keep your mouth shut is if you were as far away from me. And all of a sudden, what you learn and what you identify is, is that it is this hate of this inward reality that leads to this action. the very thing that Jesus taught about on the Sermon of the Mount. Right? That when you are angry with your brother or that you hate your brother, it is as if it's murder. So I would just encourage you not to use these words or not to allow it to bubble in your heart. Because it's it's horrible. And here's the thing, right? Many of us don't have to murder, but we dislike a lot of people. 
right? And, and here's the thing, right? Remember what John is talking about, right? He's not so much talking about people out there. He's talking about when we as believers hate other believers, right? So that was the negative, the commandment, and the application, right? And all of this is to communicate to you and to me, how do we love our neighbor? Right, I, I was working on this, and I said to my wife yesterday, I said, you know what, this is one of those difficult scriptures and sermons, because it applies to me, right? I mean, the, there's people that have hurt me, and, and there's no greater hurt than the hurt that happens in the church. Right? It's almost like in our mind, we multiply that by 10. Because in our mind, we say they should know better. They should know better. And, and just look at how they behave and they, and, and, and they act out. Right? And, and then all of a sudden, what I find myself is I keep keeping score. And, 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 I, and I say to myself, doesn't God see this? But God then tells me through John, you got to love them. And here's one of the things that I find very odd, right? And in other words, and, and this is where we need God. This is where we need the power, right? In other words, for some of us, we have no problem being righteous, living a righteous life. But then... We have a problem loving, right? And some of us have no issue loving, but we don't have a righteous life. <laughs> and when I look at Jesus, Jesus did both well. And that's where the power comes from, from the scripture, right? Because the scripture has a way of just magnifying your shortcomings, my shortcomings. So now, again, we look at, right, no one who murders has eternal life abiding in them, right? So if in your heart you have this hatred, if in your heart you are unwilling to let it go, then according to what John has told us already, then you are a child of the devil. Because here's what you and I need to know, right? There is no hatred in heaven. There is no justification of hatred in heaven. Right, so a part of us living a transformed life is where we are asking God on a daily basis, Lord, bring out of me this sinful life and allow me to walk 
in humble reliance with you where every day I'm dying to myself and every day I am becoming a little bit more Christ-like. John's not asking that you and I live this perfect, unsinful life because he took care of that already in the beginning. But it's the idea that when you are prompted by the Holy Spirit, you need to check that, that you check it. You need to look at your behavior. You need to look at how you are responding. And let me tell you, right, sometimes, and, and, and it happens not too often, thank God, right, but sometimes when something happens to me and somebody hurts me, I just want to be mad for a while. You ever, you ever, you ever identify where, where, where somebody hurts you and, and, and you just think over the situation and, right, and people in your life go, Jose, is, is there something wrong with you? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Right? And, 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 and the reason why I don't say anything is because I don't want nobody to correct me. I, I, I want to be in my sinful life. I want to be angry. Right? Because there's a part of me where all of a sudden I say, oh, this feels good. <laughs> I remember what this feels like. Right? And, and I know that the minute I say something to anyone, and usually it's my wife, right? because she'll know something's off, she'll say, hey, hon, it's, is there something going on? And, and I'll take a risk and I'll share with her. And then she looks at me and goes, well, you know what you got to do, right? It's like, oh, come on. Just, just, just agree with me. <laughs> just just, just co-sign my unhealthy behavior for a moment. Right? And, but that's why God brought us together. That's why those people are in your life, right? And because those are the things, right, that will create a wedge not between you and the people, but ultimately you and God. Right? And those people who are unwilling to look at why they have this hard heart, those people will not be in heaven because eternal life is not abiding in them because they have made a decision to abide in sin. And then he says, as we now look at the positive example, remember we'll have a command and then an application. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. Right? That's the example. He being Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for us. He, our Lord and Savior, who did not deserve to die the death he died, but he willingly gave his life for us. Remember, this is how you and I are supposed to love one another. Wait a minute. What are you saying here, Pastor? It's, well, God did that. It's like, are you expecting me to do that? For the guy or woman who... Just beat me up in the church? Remember, this is the positive, right? By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, right? So we're looking at what Jesus did. 
right? And there's no better place to see what Jesus did in your life and in my life than Isaiah 53, right? And I'm just going to read portions of, script, of this, right, starting at verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, an acquaintance with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he bore our grief and carried our sorrow, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But by his wounds, he was wounded for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquity, Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. And it goes on. It, it goes on in reference of telling us all that Jesus went through for you and for me. Right? So when it says he laid down his life, right? in other words, did he deserve what he got? No. But he did it out of love. And, and here's the part where the rub is, right? But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wait a minute. He, he did that for me? Yep, 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 he, he did that for you. Like, like when you didn't even know him, he was working out your salvation and that he sent the Holy Spirit and it worked in your heart and, okay, right? So, so that's the example, right? That he laid down his life for us, right? So here's the command, right? We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, th I thought that's good. God does that. Wait, wait. It's, Jesus is the one who laid down his life. You tell me that I'm supposed to lay down my life for that Christian brother or sister who right now is not behaving like a Christian brother or sister? Really? Well, according to God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah, this is a bad week to come to church. <laughs> yep. Right. Also, in God, through the example of Jesus Christ, is conveying to you and to me how we are supposed to love our brothers and sisters. Right? And here's the part about our Christian walk. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost me. It's sometimes going to hurt, right? And, and there is no rationalization of it, right? Because we either belong to one or two families, the family of God or the family of the devil. There is no, hey, so can I just take a step back and create my own family over here, right? There is nothing that you and I can do that softens the blow of how we 
are supposed to live with each other. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit, because what I'm asking is supernatural. Scripture is asking you to love somebody in a supernatural way, somebody who doesn't deserve it, somebody who hurts you, somebody who cuts you deep, because sometimes you are the one who's smitten. You are the one who's afflicted. You are the one, right, who's hurt, right? And this was done by men, and according to Scripture, Jesus is the one who created men, and they are the ones who turned their back on Jesus. And Jesus is saying to us through Scripture that we are supposed to mimic him as we live with each other, as we live out our faith. Here's the application, the next two verses. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Right? So... As we look at each other and we see the needs that are in the church, right, and we ask, right, so how are we living that out? Right, and, and, and let me tell you, it's, for some of us, we have the resources, we have the funds, and, and we know how to give, right? And, and, and let me tell you, we are a generous congregation, right, and... And sometimes the giving is actually a little bit more easier because sometimes God is calling you to give you your time, right? And also in our time becomes even more valuable. All of a sudden it's like, oh, you know what, it's, right? I don't want to sign up for cleaning up that church. So, you know, plenty, plenty of other people do that, right? It's like, I, I, I don't want to sign up for VBS because I don't get along with kids. No, it's, you know, it's, I don't, you know what, it's, Okay, you know what, I'll, I'll think of prayer. I'll come on in September, right? I'll, I'll put my name. Right? But then September comes and we don't come, right? In other words, God has provided for us. And then God then says, how do you use your time, your talents, your treasures? Right, and... And here's what God's word says in Deuteronomy 15, right? For there will never cease to be the poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you should open wide your hands to your brothers or sisters, to the needy and to the poor in your land. Right? So instead of walking around closed-fisted, you walk around with your hands wide open, looking for opportunities of where you can give of your time, treasures, and talents, right? And as you do that, you are showing and you are living out the commandment of loving your neighbor, loving your brother, loving your sister. You're not judging. You're not holding it back, right? And, and here's what I would ask. Can you imagine for a moment if we were a church that lived out, laying out our lives 
to this community, that we would be a church who walked around with our hands open. Where we would show the community, right, that we are a people of God. That we would supernaturally love each other in, in a way that reflected God's love. That we would do acts of righteousness. And as we did acts of righteousness, we would show love because God was working in your heart and in my heart. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Right? So he calls us back. Right? And in other words, let us not live our lives like the world lives, but let us live a life transformed by the Word of God. A Word that's not boring. A Word that's not diminished in power. Right? But a Word that can transform a life like yours and mine. And all of that is done because of the love that God has for us. And he calls you little children. That, that means if you are hearing this, if you have received this, if you are part of the family of God, you are what God would call you, little children. Right? And he's encouraging us, don't love like the world. As a matter of fact, don't even talk like the world. But do it in deed and in truth. In other words, live out your faith so that the love that we show to our brothers and sisters would be seen by the world. And all of a sudden, they would ask, I wonder what they're doing in that old little church building at 170 West Main Street in Port Jervis. That building was shut for 10 years. Right? It, they talked about making this place a gym, a bar. Right? But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would breathe life into this place. And lives would be transformed. All because God has chosen to love us first. Let us seek the one who loves us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful. Grateful to you. Grateful that when we read your word, verse by verse, we see this picture. The picture of how we, your children, are to live with each other. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for whatever is holding them back. Lord, if it's the spirit of Cain, I pray that that would just be be crushed by your Holy Spirit. Lord, set your children free to live the life you called them to. As we love each other because you first loved us. We thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name and all of God's children said. Amen. Would you rise as we worship our God?
Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.